we're talking about the fact of why fruit matters. That's what we talked about last week. And so this week we're going to get into um, Galatians. And Galatians, now I will say there's six chapters in Galatians. We're not covering all six chapters. In fact, we're not even going to cover uh, 5% of all the verses in Galatians. Galatians is a pretty in-depth scripture. Uh, and I, there'll be a part of your notes, and as the Lord leads you this week, you can do that. But I want to talk about really what the message of Galatians is as it applies to us today. Now, really quickly, this is in your notes a little bit, but I'll just give you a brief breakdown because I think this is important for you want to understand sort of the context of where we're going to be here um, as we kind of, and why Galatians is important to the fruit uh, series and fruit matters. Obviously, uh, you know that if you were a part of last week or you've read the Bible at all, you know that Galatians gives us the list of the fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter five, uh, verse 22, 23, 24, all that in there talks about uh, the fruit of the spirit, uh, and gives us this list of nine fruits. But that's really the, um, that's really the, 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 the end of the full point of Galatians. That's really the, the, the point that, uh, Paul's trying to make in all this really ends with sort of this, this walking in the spirit, but the whole context of Galatians and why Galatians is important. Uh, number one, Galatians was probably from all of our, uh, understanding of Paul's writings and piecing together a timeline, more than likely Galatians was the first book Paul wrote or the first one we have copy of, put it that way. Now, here's the point, and, and again, all this is important. I don't want to get too deep into this because I don't want to uh, miss time on what really want to get into this morning. Um, but the real crux of the argument is there's two sides that are sort of standing at opposite of one another in the book of Galatians. And Paul's trying to address the, the, the breakdown in what's happening and trying to show them the new covenant way. Because what was going on is in the New Testament church, in the New Covenant church that start that, that we find that began in the book of Acts when after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the, and the disciples and the 120 gathered in Jerusalem at the beginning of the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost comes and Peter gets up and preaches his uh, Pentecost uh, message and many were baptized in Jesus' name and from that this sort of uh, uh, explosion of of the power of Jesus Christ in transformation and in manifestation begins to take place in Jerusalem. Well, after a series of time, uh, it began to, uh, uh, through a series of events, including mostly persecution, not to get into that today, but it's amazing to me that it took persecution to get the gospel out of Jerusalem. Um, Jerusalem uh, it, for for the first, uh, uh, you want to get too deep into all this, but basically for the first uh, decade, probably or if not longer, of the church, uh, the gospel, the power of Jesus' name, the infilling of the Spirit of God, stayed within the confines of Jerusalem, even though Jesus prophesied that it would extend to the other othermost parts of the earth. Anyways, persecution sends the church scattering, but it's that scattering of the church that brings about 
the gospel spreading out throughout the, the Roman Empire. And so this is where we get into cities like Galatia. Or if you're familiar at all with the, with the writings or, or, or some of the cities in, the, in, in, in Paul's writings, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize uh, cities like Galatia, cities like uh, Colossus, cities like Thessalonica, um, Philippi. Um, these are uh, Ephesus. These are uh, cities where uh, the gospel was taken to and uh, amazing things started happening. But here at the crux of it, there was a cultural difference. And all this is important. Don't, don't, don't lose me here. Because I think in some ways we can still see a little of the remnant here today. But there became a cultural problem because in Jerusalem, the church was made up of a Jewish foundation. It was Jew, Jewish in its, uh, it, in its, its formation. The, 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 the constituency was Jewish. Well, you start getting into these, uh, these other cities, Galatia, Thessalonica, Ephesus, Colossus, uh, Galatia, all these things that you, all these, all these cities you see listed in Paul's writings. These were Greek and Roman cities. Well, Greek and Roman means what? It means Gentiles. Now, in, in the Bible, there's only two races. There's not white, black, yellow, green, brown, silver, orange. There's two races. There's Jew and Gentile. And there was a great divide in this. There was a tremendous divide in this. Well, when Jesus Christ came, he came to save the entire world. He didn't come, to a, he didn't come just to redeem the Jewish population. He didn't come to redeem just the Gentile population. He came for everyone. Now, this is not the point today. We're going to get all, all of that, but it's very easy to see in Scripture. If you go read Scripture, read the Gospels, you can see that. Yes, he came to Jerusalem. He came to the, to the, to the nation of Israel. He came there, but, but, the, but the intent of all this was to save the world. You and I are a part of that. But now here's the problem, right? So this extends, and now you start to get these, this, this, this mixed ideology. And what I mean by that is you begin to get the Jews and the Gentiles mixing together in the same body. So what began to happen in the church here in Galatia that Paul addresses that really is a huge lesson for you and I to learn. We're going to get into that now because uh, we're going to get into that today because it really is the foundation for all of what we're going to be talking about is the fact that the power of the gospel, the, the, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, forgiveness and justification that comes through faith and obedience to the word of God, was starting to take hold and people's lives are being transformed and, 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 and Galatia was beginning to, to hear the gospel. But there, were, there, were, there was a group, Paul called them Judaizers, that was the term Paul used. There was a group of Jews within the church of Galatia that believed and began to try to convince the Gentiles that in order for them to be fully redeemed, in order for them to fully go all the way, they needed to be circumcised. Now, not to get into the depths of this, but if you go back to the uh, Hebrew scriptures, circumcision was something that God started all the way back in the beginning with the covenant with Abraham, circumcision began to be the, 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 the outward sign of a covenant relationship with God. And so when Paul 
is talking about the fact that now we as Gentiles are engrafted into the family of God. We're engrafted into the promise given by God to Abraham that he would bless all nations. They're saying, look, listen, you don't get in for free. You got to pay your dues like we paid our dues and you need to be circumcised. Well, obviously, uh, all the men, the church must have filled up with women because all the men stayed in the car with that teaching. And Paul sort of begins to address this because it really wasn't about circumcision versus non-uncircumcised. It wasn't really about what, what you had to do. It's really about the depth, of the, the, the deeper part of the argument, which is what really we want to get into today. And here's what Paul says. Now, this is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. We're skipping the first two chapters of Galatians. You, you'll be able to read those this week. But let's get into the chapter 1, I mean, chapter 3, three Verse 1, Paul says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He said, how did you get here? Did you get here because you followed the law or did you get here because you had faith? And the Spirit of God led and guided you here by by the cross of Calvary. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Now, this is such a powerful scripture, and we need to remember this today, you and I. This is the, the, the foundation. And if you don't get this foundation in fruit matters, then you're ultimately going to chase the wrong thing. And there is not going to be any fruit. And any fruit that you're going to have is, is going to be fruit that doesn't remain. But that fruit that you have is going to be is going to bring frustration, and it's not going to produce the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. But he says this, verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you're now being made perfect by the flesh? What is Paul really trying to say is, is that you can't, Add to your salvation. But really this gets into the bigger picture is salvation isn't something to be earned. It's something that is given. Salvation is a gift. Redemption is a gift. God came to this earth as the man Christ Jesus died on a cross, shed his blood, was buried and resurrected, and then gives his spirit the gift of his Holy Spirit. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't outdo your wrong by doing good. The Bible says in Romans uh, chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't earn your salvation. And Paul's really trying to hit that point right there. And that is... There's a group that's saying, listen, you haven't done enough to earn what you're getting. If you really want what you're saying, then you're going to have to go and do these things. And here's what you're going to have to do. And Paul said, how can something begun in the spirit be complete in the flesh? Because beyond fruit, beyond getting into the, 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 the love, joy, peace, patience, all these things that we're talking about that are fruit of a healthy tree, the real matter is, is this, if you don't 
understand and really grasp the fact that you can't earn your salvation. Now, I put this in the notes. You'll read it later today. The, the, the danger in that is, is that some say, well, if you do that, then people are going to just be called, oh, they're just going to just completely live a free life because you can't earn it. And, you, you, you know, it's just let's just go have a free for all. Paul said, no, that's not what Paul says. And that's not what the scripture says. The point is, is that, for example, I'll give you a good one. People go to church to be saved. Now, for those of you that are part of Antioch West, you understand the context of what I'm saying here is you can't go to church because we are the church. But I'll use the term go to church because that's the, that's the way we phrase it. We gather together as the body of Christ. But I'll use the go to church in this context because it actually fits better. So people go to church to be saved. The problem with that is going to church doesn't save you. Now, I know a lot of you know this, or maybe you've heard it, but it's not, it's not, it's not taking hold of you. It's not taking hold of you yet. So I go to church to be saved. I don't, uh, I don't do certain things because they're wrong, and, I, and, and if I do them, I'll be lost. So this is the context. We have a do's and a don'ts list because we look at that do's and don'ts list as if we do this, we're saved, or if we do this, we're lost, and we're going to hell, or if we don't do this, we're going to be lost, or if we don't do that, we're going to be saved, and so that's how we look at things, and so basically for us, it is the fact that we go to church because we want to, uh, we, we, we go to church because if we go to church, we, 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 uh, we uh, will be saved. Here's the problem with that mentality. We've all been there, right? If I said to you right now, listen, you've got to go to church to be saved, which it's not even in scripture. The Bible doesn't say that at all. There's nothing in the scripture. This, we're talking about fruit here. I know some of you think we're lost it here. But you say, okay, I, gotta, I say to you, you've got to go to church to be saved. If you don't go to church, you're going to be lost, which that's not even biblical, but we'll use that for now because that's what most of us believe, right? Well, let's be frank, right? You miss church one Sunday. Wow, I miss church and the sky didn't fall down. I miss church and I didn't get the booming correction of God's holy wrath. How dare you stay home on Sunday? Don't you know this is the day you're to gather together? Oh God, I'm sorry, I'll get there. Even if I'm late, I'm coming. Right? You stay home. Or you do something else on Sunday, and man, there's no wrath. So that you think you have two options, right? You go, dodge the bullet. Thank you, God, for your mercy. I'll be there next week. Or you go, hmm, wonder what's up with that. Because I didn't go to church, and I didn't get fried by a lightning bolt from heaven. So now you go two ways, right? You got two choices. Now, this is all about Galatians. This is all about fruit. Follow me here. You have two choices now. Okay, so, um, boy, I didn't get fried today. I missed church. Now, all this is wrong. Please don't. I'm not teaching this. I'm using this as a, as a, as a blanket of how we've approached things, and this is why we don't really have fruit in our life. But, okay, I missed church. I didn't get fried. 
must be God's mercy. I'll never do it again. So next time you come to church, you don't come because you really love Jesus. You come because if I miss two, two times in a row, I know next time I'm going to get fried. I mean, would you like that chicken original or extra crispy? Boom, it's coming. And that's what one group does. So they come to avoid wrath. They come because coming equals salvation. Coming equals uh, uh, a, 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 a buffer between God's punishment and wrath for not being there. You're going straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect your $200. You're out. But then the other group goes, hey, oh, I stayed home today. Nothing happened. I wonder if all this stuff is just kind of made up. I wonder if this is even, let's try, two Sundays. Man, I've missed two Sundays in a row. And I haven't gotten one lightning bolt from heaven. Everything still feels like it's connected. Everything's working. I wonder, I don't even think this is, I think they've made all this up. Three, four weeks now it's starting to get easier to say no. And so far, God hasn't blown you up. And to be honest with you, you don't really feel that different. Next thing you know, then you start getting to justifying. And then justification leads to a different mentality. Next thing you know, you've, you're, just, you're just doing your own thing. And it must be okay because you're doing your own thing and God hasn't hammered you for it. So therefore, I think all this stuff is just made up. And all that comes from this sort of attitude that the Jews had that if you're going to be saved, then you're going to have to do this extra stuff. So for us, it's like, well, if you're really saved, you got to go to church. If you're really saved, you're going to do this. If you're really saved, you're not going to do this. If you're really saved, here's what you're going to do. And the problem with that is, is that the, the world is always changing. The rules are always moving around. And we're always trying to interpret the rules in a different way to fit the current state of affairs. And technology changes, we change the rules. The world changes, we change the rules. So here's the point, right? <laughs> this is what happens. This, and it just cracks me up because here's what happens. If you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. We don't say that necessarily, but that's sort of the idea, right? If I don't go to church, I, I mean, just pave the way. I'm coming. I can feel the flames already just licking at me. I can, I'm, my, my eyebrows are already singed. I've got to get to church. So now what happens? COVID comes along two years ago, and COVID comes along, and next thing you know, the governor and the, 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 the powers that be in most states, including the one we're in now, and maybe in your state, if you're watching this from somewhere outside of Maryland, you didn't have this experience, and everybody had their own experience with COVID, but I know where we are in the state of Maryland. It didn't take long till the governor said, oh, by the way, churches are no longer allowed to assemble. And people go, ah! I can't go to church. I'm going to be lost. How dare the governor shut down the church? Doesn't he know that God is our authority? And if we cannot gather together as a church, he is standing in defiance of God. So you know what? We will, we will not listen to the governor. We will not 
bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And man, we're just beating our chest. Oh, we are so right. But all of it stems from a wrong ideology. We got to get to church because going to church makes us saved. And if I don't go to church, I'm not saved. And all of that, in the end, is earning my salvation. I got to be honest with you. There are no attendance charts in heaven. There's no, there was a, 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 on the day of judgment, you're standing before God. Next, please. Hi, uh, Joel right here. Hello, Joel. This is, this is the day of judgment. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Judge me. Okay, Joel, let's see. First thing we're going to look at is your attendance. Wow, it looks like right here, it says right here, you started coming to church uh, the, the, the first week after you were born. Great job. Well, I didn't really have a choice, God. My mom and dad were the pastors. I pretty much went along for the ride. How I was a week old. Doesn't matter. You get extra credit. Wow. This is really good, Joel. In the last 42 years... You've only missed .0001% of church services. Congratulations. You now may enter into the rest. Next. Uh, yes, uh, my name's Bob. Yes, Bob, I will judge you. Oh, Bob, this doesn't look good. Looks like, Bob, back in 2020, you broke your leg. You missed three months of church. Sorry, bud. Outer darkness for you. I, I know I'm, I'm getting a little squirrely here for a second. The point I'm making is I don't go to church or gather the church to be saved. I go there because I am saved. What do I mean by that is because gathering together with the body is an expression of the fruit of my life. Because I am connected with him. And if I'm connected with him, I want to be connected with his body. So when I come, I don't come in begrudgingly. I don't show up right when it starts and leave right when it ends and go, check, done. Now let me go do my thing because I at least can, can stave off wrath and damnation for another week. I come because I love Jesus Christ. I'm in love with him. I'm connected with him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. So when it comes around to a time, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday or Friday or, or, or Tuesday or Thursday or whenever the body gathers together, I want to be a part of that because I am in the body because I'm connected to the head. This is not, I'm not telling you an excuse to miss. I'm saying to you that if you're coming to church or a part of church or doing anything because you think doing those things is going to get you saved, then you're going to be disappointed because Paul said this was begun in the spirit. It cannot be completed in the flesh. That doesn't mean we don't do things. It doesn't mean there's not things in our life. It doesn't mean that God keeps us from things or tells us, no, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you watching that. I don't want you 
you listening to that. I don't want you. But I don't do that because the church says do these things and don't do these things because here's the list that gets you to heaven and here's the list that sends you to hell. No, I do those things because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that relationship with Jesus Christ leads and guides me by his spirit to truth for my life. So at the crux of the argument between Paul and the Judaizers was really the argument of religion and relationship. Because religion is worked, works-based salvation. Relationship is faith-based salvation. There's nothing that I can do that can earn anything from salvation. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When that statement is made, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, that removes all attempts to earn it. So if you're sitting there today and you've made a boatload of mistakes and you go, man, look at all I've done. I'll never be able to get back or never be able to get connection with God or God's never going to be able to love me. Forgive me. That's wrong. And if you're sitting there again and go, well, I've never done any of this, and I've always done this, and so therefore God owes me, you're wrong. Both are wrong. Because in the end, you can't earn it by what you do. And what you do, what you do can't take it away. It's a gift. Doesn't mean I'm giving you the license to go out and live it up. Well, Pastor Joel said it's, it's given to me, so whoop, 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 whoop. Party on the weekends because God's giving away gifts. You know, don't worry about what it. You go do your own thing. You do you, boo, because it's a gift. That's not what it means. It's the foundation. I'll never be good enough. I've already taken care of that. I've been... I've been addicted to, to lust, to pride, to selfishness. I've been on both spectrums, from the self-righteous to the completely unrighteous. I've checked seemingly every box in my life over the last 40 years while every week going to church. And none of it brought true fruit because it, the context of it was based in religion. When he wants us to live in a relationship. Because if I'm connected in him in relationship, shouldn't I want to be a part of the body? Because here's the point. Don't tell me how connected you are with Jesus and never want to be a part of his body. But just because you are part of his body doesn't mean you're connected to Jesus. Follow me? Let's do that again. If you're connected to Jesus and you're in relationship with him, in connection with him, you're going to want to be a part of his body. But just being a part of his body doesn't mean you're in relationship. I know it seems like I'm being a little overly dramatic here in, this, in, 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 in the semantics of all this, but it's not. Because I, I, we have both sides. We have people that think because they come, they're connected. And we have people that say how connected they are to Jesus but never want to be a part of anything in their body. And they want to manage their own time. They're going to want to manage their own resources. And they, only, they, 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 they really are never truly connected to anything, but yet they're connected to Jesus. Well, 
Fruit matters. Fruit matters. So Paul continues in this Galatian argument, and you'll read it this week as you read through Galatians in your uh, action points for those of you that are going to be a part of the uh, a part of the, uh, uh, the the series, and we're 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 diving into this. But Paul continues. Now we get into Galatians five. Now I'm going to read to you Galatians five. Um, because this is the one we, we get the fruit of the Spirit. But let's read the context. Paul said this, Galatians 5, chapter 1. This is about being spiritual, right? So we're not supposed to be religious. We're supposed to be relationship. Relationship should be producing a spiritual change. But what does it really mean to be spiritual? What is true spirituality? I've said it last week. I'll say it again this week or two weeks ago. But we look at spirituality, the fact, oh, I can see angels. I can see demons. Oh, I'm so spiritual because I talk in tongues so much I have an accent. What are you? Hey, how you doing? Oh, hold on. I can't talk to you right now. I'm being spiritual. That's what we look at spiritual. We look at spiritual as this sort of somber, spooky. Mm, what are you? I'm spiritual. You go to work. Your boss asks you to do something. Sorry, I can't do that right now. I'm being spiritual. Paul just completely changes that. He said, let's talk what it means to be spiritual. Let's talk about it. Num verse, five, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ is. He's coming back to that point and say, listen, you've been made free by Jesus Christ. Stop going back into the bondage of works. Stop trying to earn it. We're past that. It's a new covenant. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Those of you today that feel bound, even though you're supposed to be free, you've got to look at why you're being bound. You're being bound because you're trying to earn something from God. You're trying to earn your salvation. You're trying to do good, not because you love Jesus Christ. You're trying to do good Because you want God's favor, and therefore, if I do good, God's going to give favor. Now, I'm not saying that there is a point in time where, as you, uh, you know, we use this illustration. My kids don't have to do anything to earn my love. I love them more than anything. My, my, my wife and I, we love them unconditionally. Our love is a gift. They don't ever have to do anything. That's why you can see a mom walk up to her little baby boy on death row after he's already killed however many people in some horrific horrific act of violence and she can walk up to him and give him a kiss and say baby I love you and we go man he's a monster but that mom sees love that mom is love now, I don't think that mom agrees with what her son did but she loves him love and agreement are not the same thing but let's be frank I love my kids I love my my children my daughter turns 16 tomorrow. Whoop, whoop. Happy birthday, Hope. Turning 16. Obviously, we know what that, that means for the world we live in. 16 means driving. But I got to be honest with you. Now, I don't know how you roll in your family between how you roll. That's you. You do you. We do us. I did not. She went and passed her learners first time. Woo, good, great job. Got the little learner card, got her little license. Man, she now has authorization to drive a vehicle. But she hasn't driven a vehicle yet other than a parking lot. Do I not love her? Yes, I love her. Do I not trust her? I trust her to a point. 
because she has to prove herself so that she can gain more trust from her mother and I. That's not earning it. Now, here's the problem we have. Some of us think earning and deserving is earning something means everything. No, we can't earn salvation. Salvation is free. God's love is free. His forgiveness is free. You can never do enough good to outdo the bad. That's why his salvation, his blood, his forgiveness is free. His love is free. But there is a point in time in God where we have to prove our trustworthiness. God doesn't just hand us things. He said, if you can't be faithful in that which is least, how can I trust you with that which is great? That's not earning it. My kids aren't earning my love, but they are earning the right to drive my vehicle. So far, we've driven around in our neighborhood. No accidents. Thank God. But that's going 15 miles an hour. We did one uh, about a half mile stretch on the main road right in front of our house that's pretty light traffic in the evenings. But I'm not ready to hand her the key and say, hey, yo, hey, 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 hey you, 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 let's go do, uh, uh, let's, let's just go right around town. No. Do I not love her? Absolutely love her. But my, my lack of privilege and rights given to her to drive my car is not a product of love. It's a product of what's best for her because I don't want to put her behind the wheel until she has proven she can handle a vehicle properly. We tell her all the time, listen, you are handling a deadly weapon. This car can kill you and it can kill someone else. When you get behind a vehicle, every time you get behind a vehicle, your life and everybody's life in the car and everybody's life around you is in jeopardy. If you don't understand that and you lose sight of that, you could end up in serious bodily harm, if not dead. So because of that, we're very cautious about how we approach her driving. Because I don't want to say, I love you so much. Here's the key, honey. And next thing you know, she's wrapped around a tree. And you go, what happened to my baby? I love you. Yes, you loved her, but yet you did not show her, equip her, and teach her the proper way. That's why we're equipping. Equipping allows us to progress in God so that we can have access to more things in God. Not that we earn it, but that we can handle what he gives us. Because I don't want to give her the key to the car so she can end up in a ditch or, God forbid, wrapped around a tree or, 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 or running into somebody else and live with the guilt of having put somebody else in the hospital or made somebody else a paraplegic or, or God forbid, have an accident that kills somebody because of something that she did. My love for her for any of that won't change. But I want her to have the best opportunity for success in driving. So therefore, my approach to her is with every level of proving, I'm going to give you more access and more freedom and more authority and more independence in what you do. But until then, you're not driving. And even the law says, listen, until you've driven a certain amount of time, you have to drive with somebody over, I think 18, 21, whatever it is, in the car. That's not unfair, but it's not earning or deserving either. So Paul says, 
If you're doing all this and being free, why go back to the yoke of bondage? Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, meaning if you go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do, do your thing. Go, go get circumcised. But he says this, Christ will profit you nothing. You can do it, but it's not going to bring any profit to you. And I testify again to you, every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. He goes, listen, here's the deal. If you want to do circumcision and that's your way, then you're signing up to fulfill the whole law. Now, this leads us to something else. I'm not going to get it today, but some of you know this. Some of you have studied it out. This is the precursor to the Acts 15 council that had to determine what are we going to hold Gentiles accountable to when it comes to the law. And at the end of that, you can go read it, Acts chapter 15. Go read it. James, who was the bishop of Jerusalem, Paul, Peter, they were all there together. There was this big debate. What are we going to hold them accountable to? Should, should, should Gentiles be required to fulfill the whole law? At the end, they basically wrote a letter, and this letter says, here's what we're expecting. And the letter, go read it. I don't want to get into that. Day. You can go read it. But Paul is sort of, this is the precursor that was the argument that led to that decision by the Jerusalem Council that set the tone for the entire church and the Gentiles going forward. And Paul says, fine, if you want to do circumcision, then you need to do the whole thing. So for those of you, for example, in our world today, it's like, if you want to stand up and say, I will not do this because it's wrong, then you baby better go across the board. One thing that drives me crazy, and I will tell you, give me 30 seconds, this ain't Jesus. It's just my own personal soapbox. What drives me crazy is inconsistency. Because you have some people that want to be staunch over here. If you do that, it's going to go over. Oh, you're going to go to hell. But over here, oh, don't worry about that. No, 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 no. If you're going to be strong here, you better be strong across the board. That's what Paul's saying. If you want to go to the circumcision route, fine. You sign up for circumcision. You sign up for all of it. But don't do circumcision and then leave all the rest. Be consistent. Fine. If you want to get up on your soapbox, if you want to stand on your soapbox and you want to bark, this is wrong, this is wrong, baby, you better look at the rest of your life and make sure it's airtight because once you sign up for circumcision, you're signing up for all of it. Verse 4, you have become estranged from Christ, who you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision or circumcision avails nothing. He like, it's no longer about circumcision. That, that was where we were, but we're not there anymore. But faith working through love. We're going to talk about that next week or two weeks from now. Faith working through love. Skipping down to verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Now he said it again. Verse 1, he says, stand fast in your liberty. Verse 13, he says, you've been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Whoa, hold on, stop the press. There's the whole clause in the contract. I'm free. But what are you using that freedom for? Because Paul said, be careful. You use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Well, see, we're free. We don't have to do anything. God's grace is God's salvation. Those are the people that 
are the once saved, always saved. Those are the ones that say grace is a license to sin. No, no, no. And that verse right there, Paul shuts all that argument down. He said, don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Meaning, don't simply think because salvation is free and you're justified by faith through the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus Christ. That gives you ability to do whatever you want. Well, doesn't matter, God will forgive. No, don't care, God will forgive. No, he said, don't do that. For all the law, verse 14, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you are consumed by one another. Now, this is it, verse 16. This is true spirituality. And in your notes, we're going com- to combine this portion with Romans 8 which is another of Paul's being spiritual verses. But verse 16, I say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, for flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. Meaning there's a conflict in you right now. Everybody, every one of us has a conflict. Bear with me here. Almost done. Every one of you right now is in a conflict right now. There's flesh and spirit, and they're fighting because they're contrary to one another. Who's going to win? Who's going to be in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your life? Because if flesh is in charge or the spirit's in charge, they're going to produce two different types of fruit. It's not the fruit that's the problem. It's what The fruit says about the tree and who's in charge of the tree. And Paul said, you've got two choices here. You can be walking the flesh or walking the spirit because they're absolutely in, they're fighting against each other. Because if you're under, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law, meaning the spirit will lead and guide you into truth. But that's not a caveat to say, hey, okay, I'm led by the spirit. So therefore it doesn't matter. The spirit's leading me. I'll just go do what I want to do. No, that's not what Paul's saying, because he says, okay, just in case, I'm going to give you a test. Ready? Here's where we get. This where fruit matters, right? Paul goes, you got a choice. You got flesh and spirit. And those two things are contrary to one another. So you can either be led of the spirit or live for the lust of the flesh. And people are like, oh, I'm spiritual. That's me. I got the spirit. And Paul says, wait, time out, slow down. Let's actually take a test. And Paul says, okay, here's the test. Verse 19, works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, self-ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. If you have those things or any of those things in your life that shows you an area of your life, your flesh is in control. The problem in this list is not adultery. It's not fornication. It's not lewdness, uncleanness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy. It's not those things. It's the tree. Because here's what happens, right? We go, okay, adultery or fornication. Okay, fornication's bad, right? Fornication is, is sexual relations outside of the bonds of marriage. So fornication's wrong. So, all right. Fornication's wrong? 
I will not fornicate. Bad. Well, the problem is, if I look at it as a list of do's and don'ts, guess what? I'll stop being involved in that, but I'll just move to idolatry, selfish ambitions, outbursts of anger. But I'll feel okay because I used to fornicate. I don't do that now. Or how about this? Let's go something a little easier. Outbursts of wrath. I'm not supposed to have that. That's bad. That's the work of the flesh. I don't want to do that anymore. So you get up every day going, I will not, have, I will not get angry. I will not get angry. I'm not so you turn your anger into selfish ambitions. But you feel like, man, look at me. I'm doing awesome. I don't have anger anymore because you're so consumed by selfish ambitions. So the point is, is that the tree still has a problem. The only difference is the flavor of fruit has just shifted, but it's still the wrong fruit. That's why this list is not a checklist to be avoided. It's a test. It's a vital sign to test and go, okay, if I'm dealing with outbursts of wrath, if I can't control my emotions, if I'm dealing with ambitions, selfish ambitions, if I'm dealing with envy and, and drunkenness and revelries and all these things, hatred, sorcery, all these things, idolatry, we're going to get into some of those later, specifically what those are. Those aren't the problem. It's not I got to stop doing those. That's earning it. Can't do that anymore. Those are bad. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying these are things to stop doing. These are things that tell you you've got a flesh problem, which ultimately is a tree problem. Because he continues and says, listen, but the fruit of the Spirit is joy, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and such there is no law. Okay. So I want to have love. I want to have joy. I want to have peace. Because if I have those and I don't have idolatry and all those things, that, that, that makes me good. No, 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 no. If I'm walking in the flesh, I'm going to deal with something here in these areas. So if I want to get free from those, I've got to stop letting the flesh, my flesh lead and guide me. I've got to be led of the spirit. Well, how do I know I'm being led of the spirit? Because here's the fruit that's going to happen in my life. So the idea and fruit matters is fruit is the vital signs. Right now, if you're, if you're a medical person, you come right now and you could put a, a blood pressure clamp on my arm. You could take my blood pressure and depending on what the reading is, you could say, hey, based off this reading, there's something going on in your body. It's, we don't say, okay, you have a blood pressure problem. Let's fix the blood pressure problem. Most of the time, and I know they got blood pressure medicine and all that they can handle. I got all that. But the point is, is that you have something going on in your body. Those of you that know my story a little bit, Last summer, I developed immense swelling in my lower body. And from June until September, really, my legs from the kneecaps down on both legs were, were averaging twice the size of normal. When I finally went into the doctors and they started doing all this test, they were alarmed because for them, swelling meant something is going wrong in your body. They weren't worried necessarily about fixing the swelling. They wanted to know what's causing the swelling because they could fix the swelling with LASIK, which is a drug that just makes you basically release all the fluid in your body. But releasing the fluid did not equal solving the problem because there was a problem that was causing the, the uh, swelling. Fruit is not our focus. 
Fruit is the vital signs of a healthy tree or an unhealthy tree. And Paul lists both sides of fruit. Here's an unhealthy tree's fruit. Here's a healthy tree's fruit. But it's not about chasing fruit. It's about, Lord, I need a healthy tree. Because this is what Paul says. He continues. Don't be misled. Verse Chapter 6, verse 7. This is the, the ending part of Paul. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. For those who only live, who, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and everlasting and, and, and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired doing what is good. It's not about going to do what good, but let's not get tired of that. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What is Paul saying? He's saying this. I'll break it down. Apple trees produce apples. Orange trees produce oranges. Cherry trees produce cherries. Peach trees produce peach trees. Pear trees produce pears. Banana trees produce banana trees. Stop planting apple trees and expect them to get oranges. It's not the it's not the orange problem. I got uh well I planted an apple tree and and I'm expecting oranges, but I got apples. What's wrong with the fruit? No, my friend, you got an apple tree problem. If you want oranges, plant an orange tree. Stop trying to plant apple trees and get a harvest of oranges or bananas or cherries. If you want the right harvest, you've got to plant the right tree. If you want a spiritual life, you've got to have a spiritual tree, which means you've got to let the Spirit lead and guide you and be in charge of your life. If you want a tree with all this fruit on it, that's what you're going to get. That's a tree that's, 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 that's a flesh tree. The fruit is only, I don't know trees. I could, if right now, if I walked up to five fruit trees that had nothing on them but leaves, I could not tell you anything about those trees. But the once the fruit starts to come, I'm smart enough to go know, to know that's an apple tree. Well, how do you know that's an apple tree? Because I can see the fruit. That's a banana tree. How do you know what the banana tree looks like? Because I can see the fruit. You've ever been to Florida? There are groves of orange trees. How do you know they're orange trees? Because they got oranges on them. How do you know they're not an apple tree? Because they have oranges. How do you know they're not a cherry tree? Because they have oranges. The fruit tells me what kind of tree it is. The idea, though, is not to go, okay, hey, let's go down to Florida tomorrow. Let's all get in the car. And on the way down there, let's stop at about four or five different grocery stores and pick up a bunch of apples. When we get down to Florida, let's find us an apple orchard or I mean a, a, a orange grove and at night let's sneak in there and let's take down all the oranges and let's super glue apples where all the oranges were and let's get up in the morning and say ta-da we now have an apple orchard why because we switched the fruit out nobody's gonna go wait wait a minute that doesn't work you can switch the fruit but it's still the tree because you've had to artificially put that fruit on that tree. That's not the fruit that naturally comes from that tree. If I, you walk down to Florida right now and you look, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to go to some kind of farming education school, whatever. Wherever, however they teach you how to grow oranges. 
and go, okay, here's an orange tree. Here's what it looks like. Here's what the branches look like. Here what, here's what the leaves look like. No, you can go down there, and in about five seconds, you can, you can recognize orange tree. Why? How do you know certain? Look at the fruit. Fruit matters because fruit tells me what kind of tree I have. But fruit's not the focus. It's the tree. The fruit only is there to tell me what kind of tree I'm growing. What kind of tree are you growing today? Who's in charge of your life? So, question, who's in charge of your life? How do I know who's in charge of my life? Look at the fruit that I'm growing. If I'm growing the fruit from the first list, the flesh is in charge. If I'm growing fruit from the second list, spirit's in charge. But it's not about focusing on not doing things from list one and doing things from list two. That's religion. That's circumcision. That's law. That's unprofitable. frustration there's no joy in all that i'm not going to hate i'm going to have love no i'm not going to be led of this i'm not going to let the flesh control me i'm going to be led of the spirit and when i do that then i'm not going to have hate i'm going to have love but it's not my focus to stop hating and only have love my focus is to not let the flesh lead me and let the spirit lead me and when that happens the fruit is going to change so we go down there right now if we want an apple tree we've got to dig up every orange tree and plant apple trees when we do that ta-da we got apple trees fruit matters so as you read through Galatians, and you're also going to read through Romans this week, look at what it means to have the right tree. The tree determines the fruit. The fruit does not determine the tree. The fruit is only the indication of what kind of tree you're growing. So you're never going to get apples from orange trees. You're never going to get bananas from a pear tree. What you plant, you will reap. That's what Paul's saying to the Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians. Why have you planted a spiritual tree, but think now that you can produce fruit through the flesh? You have two different trees you're trying to grow. Basically, he's saying, you know, you're growing a tree with your flesh, but you wanted to have spiritual fruit. Be wary, because he gets to the end and says, listen, you can go the whole circumcision route. You can do all that, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to let the flesh control you. You're going to do the works of the flesh, and here's what's going to happen. Here's the symptoms that's going to arise in your life. And if you have these things, it's proven you have tried to, you've gone the wrong direction. However, if you're letting the Spirit guide you, here's what's going to start to happen in your life. He didn't say, go do this and don't go do that. He said, focus on the tree, because fruit matters. Fruit matters. So I challenge you today, my friend. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for wanting to grow in your relationship with God. But this is not about a how-to list or a go-do-this list or don't-go-do-this list. This is about what kind of tree do we want to grow? Healthy trees produce healthy tr fruit. Healthy apple trees produce healthy apples. Flesh trees produce flesh. Spirit trees produce spirit. Being truly spiritual is letting the spirit guide you. How do I know the spirit is in charge of my life? Because here's the things. That's why you can see come, someone come in and they can prophesy on Sunday. They can be used of God. Oh, my goodness. They can stand in a pulpit. They can do that. And then they go Monday and live a completely different opposite life. Because being used of God is not the same as being spiritual. 
because you can be used of God in the moment, but you're in the same category as a chicken, a rooster, and a donkey. So we have people that could prophesy in church and go home and, and, and live a completely different life. Speak with, sing in church, be used of God in church, teach Sunday school, whatever it was. And we're like, man, they must be spiritual. No, they were being used of God in that moment, but that did not make them spiritual because giftings do not equal spirituality. Spirituality is defined by who's in charge of your life, period. Fruit matters. So I challenge you again, what kind of tree are you growing? Because we need to focus on the tree. And for some of us, that means we're going to have to do some digging and some dunging so God can change us, transform us in Jesus' name. Hey, this is awesome. Don't forget, get your notes today for today. Look, one more time, if you want to get your notes, antiochwestandmyantioch.org, just email us. Right then, right there. Ask us for today's notes. We'll give it to you, the companion piece to what we're doing here. You'll be able to take that, uh, follow along with us. But if you're going to small group today, we'll have it for you. When you get to small group, we're going to digest this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to apply it. And we're going to see God transform us in Jesus' name. Don't forget as well, fully equipped podcast coming your way this week. Be on the lookout for that. It's going to be up on YouTube. Hopefully, we'll also be up on Apple, Spotify, and every other podcast podcast platform by the end of the week. God bless you as always. Let's go. Let God be in charge. Be led of the spirit in Jesus.